Good evening. We are thankful that you are here this evening, thankful for the good crowd that has assembled, the time we have to study together for just a few moments this evening. Uh, I feel like I need to say thank you again. I think I said it a lot this morning. I'm not going to say that I don't know it all. Okay, I think we got that out of the way this morning. Uh, Although the men kept reminding me that they were waiting for me to say I don't know it all, but my wife does. Uh, I didn't say that either. Uh, But I want to say thank you very much on behalf of my family, even the family that was visiting this morning. We are thankful uh, so much for you, for your kindness, uh, and for the cards and the gifts and everything that came along with that. We have had a good day, a great Lord's Day, not only in worship but also in fellowship, and we are thankful uh, that you are here this evening. A few other uh, brief observations real quick before we get into the lesson. Uh, Don was giving A.B. a hard time about you know getting to the seat and getting started. That's not a funny joke for preachers because it's always the preacher that gets shortchanged, okay? Nobody wants the preacher to go over, so we got to get started on time so the preacher gets all of his time allotted uh, for that. Uh, also, another observation, if you want to do that every Sunday in there, I'm okay with that. I said some of the women may not want to do that, but that's all right. Uh, that was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. The food was great. The fellowship was great. And then uh, as well... I don't know if having uh, emergency medical teams and people in the building on the day of your first sermon is a sign of good things or not, Uh, but in case you didn't get the message, our dear sister Catherine uh, did not break any bones, and we were thankful for that, although she gave us a good scare. Uh, and I have to tell this, I was, I was so mad at myself even after she fell that I, I, I forgot this morning. I was, I was a little nervous trying to get started with my introduction. But she had told me ever since Wednesday night, she had told me that I looked nervous, that she thought I was nervous. She needed to calm me down. I needed to calm down. So she told me that I was gonna, she was going to stick her tongue out at me when I got up here this morning in the pulpit. And so uh, when she fell in there and I got to her, I said, that's not the way to calm me down. That is not the way to get my attention. Uh, that is not the way this is supposed to go. So, but uh, she was in good spirits even this afternoon, and we're thankful that hopefully she will be able to make a full recovery there. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. This summer at our Bible camp that we attend, as uh, we've been going to for several years, uh, out at Camp McCroy, McCroy Bible Camp out near the Ocoee area. We've done that for several years now with some of the folks from Greens Lake Road, Brother uh, Roger Campbell, that's the minister there, uh, is the one who helps run that along with my father-in-law, Freddie Clayton. And so we've got to go and be counselors there uh, for the last few years. And this past year, we had an opportunity to study the Sermon on the Mount. We looked at that in our Bible classes, and as well, our evening sermons were all about that. I was very thankful to have the opportunity to speak on Wednesday evening of Bible camp, and they gave me this topic of the golden rule, and I put together a lesson on that, and I would like to share that with you this evening for just a few moments. Our reading is not very long. If you've opened up to the passage there, as I mentioned to you this morning, we looked at verses 13 and 14. But Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, Jesus says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I would ask for you tonight as we begin to think about your life for just a few moments. For for a few moments. Think about the fact that we all live by a set of rules or different rules in our life. There are many different rules that we live by for many different things. You may have heard some of these from your parents or your grandparents. You may have said uh, uh, some of them to young folks, things like, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Uh, Some people say a rule to live by is if you can't say something nice, then don't say anything at all. Uh, Maybe your mama told you one of the rules to live by was to always have on clean underwear. Uh, 
One of the ones that went along with my advice from Brother Barry this morning, a rule to live by, is that your wife is always right. Uh, There are a set of rules that we choose uh, to live by, although they may vary from person to person and even part of the world or part of the country. uh, We all choose to live by a different set of rules. We've been taught those things, and we've decided to live our lives by those, whether they're somewhat humorous or whether they're very serious. When we look at, when we think about what the average person knows about the Bible, um, I would say to you that a lot of times when we think what the average person knows about the Bible, we will a lot of times say John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16. Maybe they don't know exactly what it means or what it, what it says we should do or how we should live, but they know John 3.16. Some people would say, well, everybody knows the 23rd Psalm. So often it's used in funeral situations or at a funeral that everybody knows the 23rd Psalm. In today's society, I would submit to you that many people know Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. If you're still there in Matthew 7, you might notice it, and you might be able to quote it if I got you started. Judge not, right? That's what everybody knows that it says. Don't, you're not allowed to judge anybody. But when we think about it, our topic tonight is actually one of the most well-known parts because we began teaching this topic at kindergarten. Think all the way back, if you would, to maybe your elementary school classroom or your kindergarten classroom or your first grade classroom. Think back to that and think back to all the things that were on the walls. You remember a lot of times those younger classrooms are filled with things on the walls, bright colors, numbers, letters. A lot of times there were laminated signs of the things that would go on in the classroom. But a lot of times, almost every single classroom would have a laminated sign that said, The Class Rules. Tonight, when we look at our lesson, and if you've got the bulletin in front of you there, you might follow along with the outline again, and we'll have some fill-in-the-blank things that we're going to look at. We're going to look at two questions and two sets of example. Tonight, we want to begin by looking at what is the golden rule. Now, if you think back to that classroom for just a moment, most likely somewhere on those class rules, you found Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Now, it may not have been worded the same way. Quite possibly, it might have been for some of you because at a certain time in our society, in our country, there might have been a Bible verse or two on the wall of a classroom in the school system. You may not find that anymore, but you would still find the golden rule on many of these classroom walls because we teach this, and everybody knows it. It may not be worded in the Old English. It may not be worded the King James way. But Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. You remember the point, don't you? Treat others the way you want to be treated. That's the way that we typically say it and have it memorized. And that's the golden rule. Now, Jesus sometimes said lots of new things. When we think about the Sermon on the Mount, he was even taking a shift there. You would see and you would read in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 there that Jesus would say to the people who were listening, you have heard it said, but now I say unto you. And that was a, a big shift for them because a lot of those things were, were physical actions. He would say, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. All right, I got it. But now I say unto you, whoever looks at a woman... The lust after her has committed adultery. Oh, that's a little bit different there. That's something a little bit different to think about because it's not just the act anymore. Now he's asking them to think about what their heart and their attitude is. 
And while in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said lots of new things, the golden rule wasn't exactly a new thing. You might hold your place there and go all the way back to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Because in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18, we see this very principle being taught even there. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. It wasn't a new idea here with the golden rule because they had known it all along. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Paul quoted and mentioned the same concept to the Romans, even in Romans chapter 13 and verse 9. Again, this same idea of treating your neighbor as yourself. Treat others the way you want to be treated. When we ask the question tonight, what is the golden rule? Very simply, it's that. We've heard it all our lives. Hopefully we've practiced it. But we understand what it is. But tonight as we go a little bit further, as we think about it a little more, to practice it, we must know what it is. And when we think about treating the others the way we want to be treated, that's a good start. But our second question tonight is how important is the golden rule? How important is the golden rule? Well, what does Jesus say? What place does he give it? You might notice at the end of verse 12 there in Matthew chapter 7, he goes on to give us more. He doesn't leave us hanging with treat others the way you want to be treated. He tells us how important it is. He says, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, tradition holds, if you look back at many things uh, and many writings from the Old Testament and around that time and, and even in the New Testament that these Jews are still practicing their things. Tradition holds that there may have been around 613 different rules or laws or commandments that were practiced, that were put forth. I don't know about you, but I have a trouble with just the few that we have in front of us sometimes. Whether it's the actual law, we think about our government and those kinds of things, or, or maybe our own rules that we live by, but 613 commandments or laws. And what Jesus is saying here, the point that he makes and he's trying to drive home is, well, the law, and the law did not say this maybe in so many words, but the law could be summed up by the golden rule. You know, many times we like to hear the bottom line, right? Sometimes we know somebody that will just feed us lots of information and just give us lots of things. We, a lot of times we look at somebody and say, don't, don't talk for me to ten minutes about something. Uh, just sum it up in one sentence for me. And Jesus says here that this is all the law and the prophets. All of the teaching could be broken down into this. If you've got your Bible, look in Matthew chapter 22 for just a moment. Matthew chapter 22, because at another point, Jesus shares the same sentiment and gives the importance. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34. Matthew 22, beginning in verse 34. When the, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, what is the greatest or what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Again, we got it. We know that. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
How important is the golden rule? Well, if you look at your outline there, I would submit to you that Jesus makes the point that it is the second most important thing that we could think about. It's the second most important thing that we could think about. Jesus shows us the importance by putting the emphasis on it and pointing out to us how we need to practice it. You know, the lesson this morning was... As I mentioned several times, geared mainly to the brethren here, you folks here, as we think about working together and going forward, of course it was uh, applicable to anybody who was listening about how we can all work together to do good, but when we think about working together, a lot of that begins with us practicing the golden rule with each other, treating each other the way that we would want to be treated. Jesus says it's the second most important thing that we could look at and think about in our life. Even its name shows how important it is. But did Jesus call it the golden rule? Well, no, not exactly. But others called it the golden rule. Why would they do that? Why would people call it the golden rule? Well, what thing on this earth could we equate with something of such importance? What thing is a foundation of our very livelihood, our very currency? What do we say is a part of the streets of heaven? It's gold. Because gold is very important in our world sometimes today. And its name reminds us of its importance. The golden rule. And Jesus says it's the second most important thing. Let's think thirdly tonight about the example of the golden rule. And if you have your Bible, look with me in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. If you're making the notes there, that is the example, and I'm going to go past that slide to get to the passage. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Once again, as we've said before, and has been said many times, Jesus is the master teacher. He knows exactly what we need. He gives us all that we need to live by. And he doesn't just give us something to do and leave it simply at that, expect us to understand it or to figure it out on our own. Many times he would tell us what to do or tell those folks that he was talking to what to do and then he'd come along right behind it or even in this case maybe a little bit later and give them an example. In Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37 we read of the example of the golden rule. We won't go through the whole thing here because you are no doubt probably familiar with it but as this certain lawyer uh, comes up to him and begins to te- uh, test him and ask him these questions. And of course, the parable is on over, beginning in verse 30. If you've got your Bible open there, we read about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Well, when we think about the rules that we live by, I saved a few for this particular section because we read about them here. And when you study the golden rule, a lot of commentators would give you some idea of these other rules that people choose to live by. Look at verse 30. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, I didn't have these rules in the outline. If you're making notes there, you might write down out to the side. The first rule that we see here is the iron rule. The iron rule. Well, the iron rule is simply might makes right. I've got the most power, I've got the most strength, and I'm going to do whatever I can do to take what I want. The iron rule in this particular parable is shown forth by the robbers. Robbers simply say we've got more people, we're stronger, we're meaner, whatever, we're tougher. We've got the most might and we want what you've got or all that's yours and we're going to take it. That's the iron rule. But if you continue on reading down through there in verse 31. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. 
Likewise, verse 32, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, passed by on the other side. If you're making notes there, the second rule that we read about here is the silver rule. The silver rule is the idea, sort of the negative sense, if you will, do not do unto others as you would not have them have done unto you. And of course, that is exemplified here by the priest and the Levite. Now, we certainly have maybe practiced this in our life, maybe somewhat, uh, you know, not sure about it. Uh, sometimes we're not sure we want to get involved in something. I don't know how many of you watch those shows on, on the uh, news channels, ABC, or some of those things. They have those hidden camera shows, you know, where something goes wrong. They want to see how many people will help. And if you're like me, you've been in some of those situations, you're like, I don't know if I want to get involved with that. Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. But the idea, of course, sometimes that some folks would look at a situation and say, I'm just not going to bother. I'm just not going to worry about that. Now, certainly we understand that, uh, you know, sometimes maybe uh, we need to avoid a situation. Maybe we're unsure about the danger it might put us in, but certainly we know as well that the Bible teaches that we should be looking out for the needs of others, looking for opportunities to help physically as we have an ability to. But, of course, after we look at the iron rule and the silver rule, we come to verse 33, a certain Samaritan. The certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And you remember the rest of the story, that he helps him up, he takes him along with him and finds someone to take care of him and is willing to pay for it. And when we think about this parable and the rules that we live by, we see here, of course, the golden rule. The golden rule exemplified by the good Samaritan who showed compassion. Who didn't have to, by the way, which is maybe sort of the essence, if you will, of the golden rule. Not only did he help and show compassion, but he didn't have to. He could have passed on by as well. He might not have been expected in the custom and in that time to stop and help this person, this certain man, but he did. He went out of his way. He went what we also would call the extra mile, the second mile, to show and help someone And he practiced the golden rule, and he gives us that example here in Luke chapter 10. But then fourth and finally tonight, let's talk for just a few moments about practicing the golden rule. Practicing the golden rule. You know, when we get down to it here at the end, and we've talked about what it is, and sort of the essence of it, if you will, how important it is, what do we mean when we say practicing the golden rule? I would submit to you tonight... There is no limit to the situations that we encounter in our daily lives where we can practice the golden rule. There is no limit to the situations that we encounter in which we can practice the golden rule. Do you stay at home most of the day? Do you go to work during the day? Do you have family members? Do you have friends? Do you go to the store? Do you go to a sporting event? And the list can go on and on of the situations that we encounter every day in our life. You have an opportunity to practice the golden rule. Sometimes it may be as simple as picking up around you, maybe. You know, we think about, uh, we spend a lot of time, of course, at the ball field and in the gym and think about sometimes how messy it can be and are you willing to, you know, leave it better than you found it, to pick up around yourself, to maybe treat that area better than, than others would. What about others that you come in contact with? When we think about practicing the golden rule, there is no limit to the situations that we encounter. And I would just submit a few to you tonight. And again, maybe you might find yourself in a few of these. 
when I respect my parents as God would have me to because they will treat me with respect as well. I'm practicing the golden rule. When I choose to not make fun of a friend because there may be a time that I've messed up before, I'm practicing the golden rule. Now, sometimes they say preachers don't need to meddle, but what about when I treat the other rook team with humility, uh, then maybe I'm practicing the golden rule because there may be a time that I'm not winning. And I, I don't know how many times Friday night I've told some of you that I got to ask if I had a sermon on cheating over here, okay, during the rook games that were going on. We'll get to that at another point. But when I treat others with humility, when maybe there may be a time that I might need it, then I'm practicing the golden rule. When I leave others' things alone and don't bother with other people's stuff sometimes because I would not want my things messed with, I'm practicing the golden rule. When I help a fellow church member in need because there might be a time that I might need some help, I'm practicing the golden rule. When I'm patient with my husband or wife because there are times that I'm not perfect and I need patience, I'm practicing the golden rule. When I can be civil on social media or Facebook or things like that when comments are being made that I disagree with because standing for the truth also means speaking the truth in love. Maybe that needs to be done sometimes. And there might be a time that I've made a comment where I'm wrong. I'm practicing the golden rule. When I'm nice to my family members, my brothers and my sisters at times, I'm practicing the golden rule. When I forgive my friend who said something behind my back in anger because there might be a time that I lose my temper and tongue, I'm practicing the golden rule. When I have the courage to speak up, and speak the truth to a lost soul. When I know I would want someone to share the good news with me and care enough for me, and I care enough to share with them the good news of the gospel, I'm practicing the golden rule. If we would apply the golden rule in our lives, if the world would apply the golden rule to all that they do, if every person just individually said, I'm going to do my best today, tomorrow, and this week to practice the golden rule, then I would submit to you tonight that that could be the solution for all human relational problems. We couldn't cure cancer. We couldn't stop death. But maybe we could stop a few battles or wars. We could prevent hate. We could fix our families. We could fix our congregations. And to an extent, even as we said in the lesson this morning, we could be limitless if each person would simply practice the golden rule in their life. As we bring this lesson to a conclusion, I would share with you, if you've got your Bibles, maybe turn to Matthew chapter 20. One more passage here, and then the lesson will be yours here in just a moment. To sort of sum up what we've been talking about, there is a former Roman emperor by the name of Alexander Severus, who was a Roman emperor from the years around 222 to 235. I know that may not mean much to you, but when you look at the historical aspect of it, is when he was ruling, and the story goes, again, as, as least as much as I can research it and find out, that it's highly possible that he had the golden rule inscribed on the walls of his palace, I read in one place, or even on the walls of his closet, I, I read in another place. And it was often quoted, or often said, that he would quote the golden rule in giving his judgments as he ruled over Rome there. I don't know much else about this guy. I'm not going to submit to you at all that he was a great person or that I know anything else about him. But when we think about actually writing it on the walls of our house 
or our closet. Or, of course, as we oftentimes say, more importantly, maybe for us, writing it on our heart or on our heart. When we think about that, we have a great example of, of that here. The command that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, to treat others the way you want to be treated, the command that Jesus gives compels us to deal with others by beginning with ourselves. Let me say that one more time. The command here that Jesus gives compels us to deal with others by beginning with ourselves. We do not determine. We do not determine the treatment of others by looking at them and asking them what they deserve. Instead, we start with ourselves and we ask what we would want and need. And then we do that for the other person. In Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 20, you may recall that the mother of the sons of Zebedee is asking for them to be in an upper position there. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 26, going on down a little bit further, Jesus answers and says, But whoever desires, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Now we know that so many of the things that Jesus said, and we could make a long list of them, were the opposite of the way that the world thinks. Even the opposite of the way that those people thought. You mean to tell me if you want to be first, you've got to be last? It doesn't just usually compute with people there. But here, Jesus is making the point that if we want to be great, we need to be a servant. You see, the golden rule is not the only place that Jesus, the Lord, discusses preferring others and acting in kindness. Many times we want to take one little snippet of something that Jesus said. We might look at it and say, that was it. But as we said a moment ago, he'd come right back behind it or come back later with a great example or the same teaching, maybe said a different way, said in a different way. Matthew 7, 12 is not the only place. Granted, if it was the only place, that's all that we need. But he says that even here, that we need to be a servant. We need to prefer others and act in kindness. Tonight, we end with a few questions. When you practice the golden rule, what does it really cost you? When you practice the golden rule, what does it really cost you? It can cost something from time to time. When you give of your means, maybe you stop and help someone and they need you know, financial help, it, it might cost you a few dollars. It might cost you something like that. But many times, it doesn't cost a thing. It doesn't cost a thing to treat others nicely. And tonight, when you go home, and tomorrow, when you stay home or go to work or go to school or wherever it is, you can do just that. You can treat others nicely. You can practice this golden rule. And tonight, as we conclude this lesson and think about singing this song of encouragement in just a moment, we ask for you to consider that part of your life for just a moment. The possibility exists even in a crowd this size tonight that there's someone here who's never become a Christian. We mentioned some of the things that need to be done this morning. Some of you have heard that before. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian and you want to know more about that, we would gladly study with you even in the next few moments, in the next few hours or days. We would gladly share with you what the Bible says about becoming a Christian so that the Lord can add you to his church. Maybe you're here before and you've done that and you've wandered away. And you know that there is something in your life that is amiss. There may be sin in your life that is separating you from God. We sing this song of encouragement to encourage those who may be in either one of those situations. But as always as well, as we are gathered here together, we sing to encourage anyone who might be struggling with something. 
Maybe you look at your life and realize that, that you've not been treating others the way that you would like to be treated, but, but you just treat others however you feel at the moment or however you feel they deserve to be treated. Maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling with that or you're struggling with something else in your life. The beautiful part about being together is the time we have to worship God. The beautiful part of being together is the time we have to encourage one another. And if you're here, you need to become a Christian or you need to come back to Him or you need the prayers of this congregation. We'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together.